Morning. There's always that little bit of silence when someone gets up the front, just getting, getting sort of set up and adjusting the lectern. It's really nice to be here, really nice to be here uh, with you. Um, last time we were here, I was probably sitting up the back listening to beautiful songs of Spectrum um, doing the music program uh, for Fremantle Church here. But it's always nice to be back uh, close to the beach. Uh, we live up in the hills, far, far away from the beach, so it's always nice to get down towards the ocean. Beautiful songs this morning as well. Thank you so much for the song choices to the musicians, to the band, the singers. Thank you. You know what? There's peace in the promises of God. Um, so we're talking a little bit about strength and courage. Now, I've never been one to enjoy doing what I'm sort of doing now. I always felt very inadequate standing up the front of people. Even though I'm a teacher, I'm an educator, there's a difference when you're talking to you know, young kids or teenagers to sort of a group of adults. I actually credit, I don't know if it's a credit, probably Pastor Skeggs for uh, whenever, uh, he'll find me in the hallway at school once when I was working at Carmel, I go, Mark, you need to get up the front and preach. And he just kept sort of doing that until one day I finally sort of gave in uh, and uh, started doing a few services up the front. It's a little bit, you feel a little bit of nerves. It's not only trying to find that courage to share something from readings, from the Bible, from your heart, whatever that may be. But this time of the year, obviously, there's some stresses as we start to think about what the new year will bring, what changes are happening in our life at the moment. Um, life isn't always a walk in the park or along the beach for those of you that like to get down to the beach down here. We are faced with many challenges and bombarded with information daily. From small choices to substantial ones, we have to make choices every single day. Some research sort of uh, tells us it's around 30,000 choices a day if you listen to Google. And which is quite a lot. There was a recent study that was commissioned by the app, the phone smart app called Noom. I don't know if you've heard of Noom before. It found that adults made an average of 122 informed decisions a day. So those aren't the decisions where you're deciding do I put my left leg in first or my right leg in first into my jeans. It's, there's a little bit more involved with those decisions. But that doesn't mean these decisions are final when we make those, say, 122 decisions each, informed decisions. Almost 90% of those that took this particular survey to changing their mind at some point. Of the 2,000 adults surveyed, numbers found that we spend an average of three hours a day deciding what to eat, what to wear, what to watch, when to go to bed. It's a fair amount of time. You ever looked at your phone before and it tells you kind of what you've done during the day as well? How much time you've spent on a particular app or, or, or research or entertainment or whatever it might be? How long you've slept for? What choices have you made so far today? Have a, just a little think. Were they easy ones, hard ones? Were they just out of habit or routine? Today I want to talk uh, from a story from the Old Testament and sort of draw out a time when choices had to be made. 
and to highlight the importance of faith when making decisions, potentially life-altering, history-changing decisions. Whenever I read the stories from the Old Testament, and even during Jesus' life and sort of, and for his disciples, once Jesus wasn't around as much anymore. What was that like? I asked myself the what if questions. You ever do that? What if? What if? Do your kids say that? What if we did this? What if did that? What if Adam and Eve didn't eat the fruit? What if Noah listened to people that were mocking him? What if Moses didn't get angry with God and hit the rock or talk to the rock or you know, whichever way it goes around? What if Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho more or less than he needed to? What if Joseph didn't go out to find his brothers that day? What if Daniel prayed in secret and hid his faith? What if Paul gave up and stopped preaching? Ever made choices without knowing the outcome? Maybe along the lines of, let's just wing it. Hands up if you are a let's just wing it kind of person. Anyone in here brave to go, yep, I'm happy just to go, whatever it will be, will be. I've got a few little hands there. Um, Does that mean everyone else is like, I need a plan? I like to know what the next thing is going to be. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a unique sort of character. Yes, I like a plan, but I also like a little bit of adventure. So... For me personally, I wouldn't mind going on a mystery flight with just my passport and wallet. I would them kind of cool, see what, see what would happen. However, that would possibly be one of the worst nightmares for my wife, um, who would be out at that sort of opportunity. 1 Samuel 13 tells of a man named Jonathan, who is the elder son of King Saul who defeated a Philistine outpost at, I'm going to say Jabbar, it could be Giba, Jiba, I'm not sure, so please don't forgive me for the pronunciation. But let's fast forward to 1 Samuel 14, and we find Jonathan about to make a very, very interesting decision. Now, let me give you a little bit of context leading up to that story. Um, uh, the Philistines are not impressed with Israel because of a battle that just taken place. And they call in reinforcements. So it's not just a little group text of 10 people that come in. When I say reinforcements, the Philistine army call in 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the sea shore. So this is no small calling of an army together to rise up against the Israelites. Israel. This was not a good situation to be in. Saul didn't listen to what God had promised. And Samuel let him know that his kingdom will not endure and someone else will be appointed ruler. So Saul got a little bit annoyed. He made a sacrifice when he was to. Samuel comes in and goes, what are you doing? And Saul goes, I didn't know you were here. I thought I was you know, doing the right thing. To make matters worse... At that time, there were no blacksmiths in the whole land of Israel. What's an important tool that you need when you go into battle? Sword, spears, things that require the workmanship of a blacksmith. And the Philistines had control 
over that. So it's not a good little situation to be in. So when the Philistines, on the day of, sorry, on the day of battle, Israel, not one of their men had what? Sword or spear. Who were the only two people that had a sword? Saul and Jonathan. I want to open up your Bibles. If you go to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. So now it happened one day. 1 Samuel 14. I love how the Bible just goes, just one day, one day this happened. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore armour, so his armour bearer, come, let us go to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of uh, Gibeah. Um, The people uh, who were with him were about 600 men. No one knew that Jonathan had gone. We're at verse, uh, verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a one side and there was another side. One side called Bozes um, and the other side called Senna. The front one faced northward opposite uh, Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to his young armour-bearer, Come, let us go to the garrison of these men. It may be the Lord, sorry, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armour bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say this to us, wait until we come to you, we will stay in our place and not go up to them. For the Lord, But if they say, come up to us, then we will go, for the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming up out of their holes. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show, show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hands of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. So this wasn't no easy sort of climb for Jonathan and his armor-bearer. And they fell before Jonathan, and as he, sorry, as he came after him, his armor-bearer killed them. And so within that time, within about what they sort of refer to, sort of half an acre of land, they killed 20 Philistines. The interesting part for me is when Jonathan and the young armour bearer are standing there thinking about, how do we go about this quest? And so for me, in sometimes my immature mind, and I go to a bit of a cartoon and I picture... Maybe a golfer and his caddy just standing there going, so we've got two sides here. One cliff literally means slippery rock. The other literally means thorny cliff. What club should we use? 
What's it going to be? What gave Jonathan the strength and the courage to go, yep, I know what needs to be done. I know that God will keep his promises and get us through. I don't know about you, but I might be happy to get on a plane without any bags and go somewhere fun. But I'm pretty sure I would change my mind if I was standing on a narrow, rocky pathway, one that's slippery and one that's thorny. Recently, I, went, I flew into Esperance uh, this week to visit one of our schools down there. And if you go to the airport at Esperance, there's a big, nice, bright, illuminated sign at the airport just above the small little carousel where your bags come out. And it flashes up every now and then, beware slippery of the black, slippery rocks. So warning signs. We stay away from those things, don't we, generally? We're more often than not, we see that, we go the other way. If you watch movies or cartoons, you'll see that point in time where a character is left with, do I go left down this path because it looks, there's birds and rainbows and trees and it's all lovely, or do we go down this path where it's all dark and scary and shadows, you know, noise off in the distance, scary noises. Why do we like the easy road? Why do we doubt like Saul did? And rush through things. Oh, God's taking his time. I, got, I, got to, you know, I haven't heard from him. He's not answered my prayers yet. He's got to get on and do it. What's happening? One of the greatest powers of Satan is discouragement. Boys and girls, opposite of courage. As we face trials and challenges and temptations and setbacks, our courage wavers. And instead of looking to the one true source for courage, we seek whatever it might be that gets us as far away as possible. Ever heard of Jonah? No, don't pick me. I want to go as far away as possible. So if we are discouraged or we're in the midst of a battle, whatever that might be for you, family, finances, school, university, workload, emails, temptation, sin, Whatever that battle is for you, where does help come from? There's a nice little Carson Crown song about that as well. Where does my help come from? For me, it's remembering the lessons I've learned from life's experiences. It's being surrounded by good people. And more importantly, it's actually reminding myself and flooding my heart and my brain with words from this book. And prayer. It's that reminder of God's many promises that brings us that strength and that hope for us to walk that path. There's nothing quite like diving into Scripture and praying to God in order to stamp out Satan's very clever and very sneaky ways to discourage and bring about unrest in your life. How does the promises of God bring courage to our lives? I'll read a few Bible verses. I'll go through them sort of fairly quickly so you don't need to be rushing through your Bible. Ephesians three fourteen to 16 says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being 
Matthew 11:28. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light." Philippians 4.19 And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. From Matthew. And we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Joshua. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. In John, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. Two more for you. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love that God has in us. John 3.16, it's a pretty good one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then let me just go back and summarize these for you. God promises to strengthen you, give you rest. He takes care of all your needs. God promises to answer your prayers. God promises to make everything work for your good. God promises to be with you. God promises to protect you. God promises freedom from sin. God promises that nothing can separate you from him and God promises you everlasting life. How do these promises of God bring courage to you? What will you do with that courage? After the conflicts in Philippi and Ephesus, Paul receives threats of imprisonment and death. These threats are not idle, as two attempts were actually made upon his life. Paul is taken into custody by the Roman government and, and a suit, a lawsuit, was brought against him, even though it was false. Yet through it all, Paul maintains an extraordinary amount of courage and steadfast reliance on God and the plan that God has for him. He continues to work despite the threats and continues to preach. The Holy Spirit gives each of us gives us the courage we need to do our work and face the challenges of this world. You know, at the end of year always brings about some form of change, some new direction for the upcoming year. New Year's resolutions begin to formulate in our minds and maybe those we didn't quite get to in 2023 did you fulfill the goals you had set for yourself at the beginning of this year are you still churning through what some of those might be if you think back what's held you back discouragement fear anxiety worry stress and look back at those times and think how many times when I was stressed and worried and anxious did I actually get on my knees and pray 
Did I have the courage of Paul? Did I have the courage of Jonathan and his armor bearer? Did I have the courage and the confidence to speak to Christ, to speak to God in this? When the disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I doubt, I doubt lots. God, why aren't you doing this? Why isn't this sort of happening? I, I need to see it to believe it. Can you just show me the trailer of my life? Can you just give me the snapshot so I know we're okay, and then I'll step into the path that you want me to take? Can you do that for me? How many times have we said that? I've said it lots. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I think you had a baptism here last week, doing that very thing. Very special. Well done. I think Ezra was here, may have stepped out. Therefore, go and make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's repeated time and time again. Christ shares those words with us constantly, all the time, yet we doubt. This world needs more people of faith who are willing to trust in the promises of God. Take a risk for him. Believe that his ways are best even when the rest of the world mock like they mocked Noah. We need men and women of faith who are willing to carry the cross. Knowing that it ultimately leads to freedom despite what other people might say. The world needs young people. Young people who are willing to point the way confidently and courageously to the truth of God's word. There are words used in here. This, this particular sort of passage comes from a devotion that I read a few weeks ago. Standing in the gap for the lost, fighting the good fight of faith unashamedly. For, for, like I said at the beginning, many times I just fought standing up in front of people and sharing in, in God's word. And because I had to do it with perfection. I couldn't step outside. I couldn't say this because I need to have the perfect words. And that's just that fear that we have. That's what Satan puts on our hearts so that we don't stand up. So we feel ashamed to share our faith. Finally, we need to be strong and courageous, remembering the promises of God and that he is with us wherever we go. Through every story that we've shared briefly, every Bible verse that we've shared, this children's story this morning, thank you, Neroli. It's about that unashamed, pure reliance on God, our Saviour. I really, really, really want you to be blessed this Christmas season, but not you, not in a self-seeking way, because I want you to be able to pass those blessings that God has given you on to others because so many people in this world need to feel that peace. And it's a peace that only God can bring. We try, but we fail. But God can bring that peace. He can strengthen our hearts. He can bring courage to our lives. 
so that we can continue sharing the love of Jesus to our family, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our community. Let's pray. Our wonderful, loving Father in heaven, what a joy it is to be in this church, to be reminded of the love that you have for us, that relentless pursuing love that you have for each and every person here, for every family member and friend that they represent. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your Bible, the wonderful words, the teachings, the lessons, the experiences that we can take into our hearts, that we can share with the people that we interact with. Lord, daily it is our prayer that we can be your hands and your feet, your voice and your ears and your eyes to share the love that you have for everyone. Lord, grant us boldness and strength and courage and wisdom and clarity to do so. May your Holy Spirit just intercede at the time at the right place so that people will feel your love and know a sense of your peace and know just to have a glimpse of what hope is like in this challenging world that we live in. Lord, we know you created this world beautifully and perfectly, but right now it's not what you intended it to be. So Lord, you've commissioned us to serve, to be servants for you and missionaries for you. And I pray that you will um, be able to help us to be the shining lights where we need to. Thank you for the courage that we receive today as we get to be a part of this church. But may this courage not stop today. May it bring us hope and courage into the new week as well. I pray for this church, Lord, and the church leadership and the pastor and for the different initiatives and programs that this church embarks on that people will see this church, the families that are within it, that uh, they love you and they've got something very special and it makes other people want to be a part of it as well. So Lord, I thank you for our time today and for your presence in this church. These things we pray in your wonderful name. Amen.